Welcome to an impromptu podcast of the men's ministry. So normally we do these meetings every third Thursday of the month. But if you check your calendars, it is April 6th or early April, depending on when you're listening. So it is an impromptu meeting. And so the question becomes, are we going to have one later in April? And the answer is yes, we will. We're going to have two. So uh, thank you for joining us. For those that are listening, I'm going to go over the outline of our meetings, being that it's done virtually at the moment. Some of these may not apply. However, we're going to read our mission, as we always read that. We are going to discuss a few current events, though, again, there's one overriding event that's uh, heading all the news. We're going to review our calendar uh, for the next month or so. We're going to go through our Bible study. And hopefully we can do this within an hour. So our mission, our mission at the Men's uh, Servant's Heart Ministry is to glorify God through service and biblical principles applied to everyday life. To become leaders in our households, ministries, workplace, and anywhere God calls us. All right, let's go over some events and announcements. Number one, our newsletter is out. It was out uh, late March. And there's some articles there by our senior pastor, myself, and uh, every month or every other month, we hope to have more of these out with some uh, perspectives that you guys can read. The April 11th MacArthur Park outreach has been canceled, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus stay-at-home order. Uh, it is not safe to do that at this moment. Uh, we have an impromptu men's podcast today. So I uh, will be the first to say it is April 6th. So it's a little early, but hopefully you guys can enjoy it and get something out of it. Our regular podcast will be on April 16th. Uh, it will be a podcast. So last month, uh, we were hoping that the stay-at-home order will be done, but it's been extended till the end of April. So it will be another podcast. We'd like to thank our guests for last month, Lázaro Gutierrez, for having us join us here at a Bible study. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Whoever listened to it... Uh, I hope you got something out of it. He had an interesting story, a good friend of mine. And he also has a Bible study on Fridays that he's currently doing through Zoom. And I encourage you guys to go there. I've been to his last couple through Zoom, and it's, it's fun. He, he puts a lot into it. If you want to reach Lazaro, it is lasgutierrez at gmail.com. That's L-A-Z as in zebra, Gutierrez, G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z at gmail.com. So he does it Friday at around 7.30 or so. You can shoot him an email. He can get you all the details. Uh, next, our Sunday service will be streamed again. And so we'd like to give a shout out to John Carrion, our praise and worship leader, who's done an amazing job putting these uh, live streams up and make making the quality better each and every time. So big thank you to John if you're listening. And it'll be this Sunday. It is Easter. So it'll be a nice service. Hopefully you guys can jo join us. And the last announcement we have is uh, there is a marriage podcast that it is now available. So uh, Adrian wanted me to give you guys a bit of a warning here. It was a podcast. It was impromptu. If this is impromptu, that one was even more impromptu, especially to her. She didn't know it was coming. So she, you know, stumbled a bit, and uh, I thought she was perfect. In fact, all the feedback I've gotten is she's been very good, but, you know, she thinks she stumbled a lot. So uh, give you that for the warning if you decide to listen to it. 
But please listen to it. Uh, we do have some feedback we want from you. You know, marriage is a is the long game, right? And so we need ideas on subjects, topics. Though we have a few of our own and that we discussed during the podcast, uh, some more feedback would be great. So, uh, current events. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to be home for a while. Uh, we're going to be home. Might, might go to the supermarket. Might be your exciting part of the day would be to get some groceries. Uh, especially when you find certain items. Might be like the real highlight. So that's be, that's like going down the roller coaster, right? When you're going downhill and you're like screaming, yay! That's when you find the right thing on the grocery market. So, uh People are applying for unemployment unemployment at a very alarming rate. In the last two weeks, about 10 million people total have lost their jobs. And uh, me being in finance, uh, in the finance field, I don't think that's the real number, by the way. I think the number is much higher. You know, for those of you that remember our last economic downturn 10 years ago, uh, you know, they talked about the unemployment being 5%, 6% or whatever. And everybody would say, well, that doesn't include the people that are giving up looking. And I think the same kind of principle applies here. 10 million might have applied for unemployment, but there are those that worked on a cash-based uh, job that didn't get paid uh, through paychecks, and they may not qualify for unemployment, and those individuals are not being counted in that number, so I think it's higher. So uh, that's very alarming. So uh, something to keep in prayer is for our economy to recover while dealing with the coronavirus, which is obviously very serious. So uh, next, uh, as of today... The coronavirus has unfortunately taken 10,000 lives. And uh, again, that's very high. So what do we make of all this? What do we make of all this, right? There's uh, two big stories, right? The coronavirus and the economy. And to help me with the answer, I'm going to introduce our guest for today. And our guest, uh, some of you may know him as councilman. Some of you may know him as pastor. Some of you, like me, get to call him father-in-law, and uh, Steve, and Steve Ruski and all kinds of names. But I'd like to introduce Pastor Steve DeRuz. So, in- Steve DeRuz, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Diego. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So, uh, please, uh, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about yourself. So, the congregation at our church knows you fairly well. And so, uh, share something that you're, you they may not know about you. And to the listeners that don't go to church, to our church, and that only may know you as councilman, share something about yourself when it comes to theology. Um, well, when it comes to theology, it's been a long journey for me because I was uh, raised in a, in a Roman Catholic household. Uh, went to, I've been going to church all my life. Uh, but then in my 20s, I began to kind of uh, question a little bit, you know, about well, why this and why that. And I wasn't really getting the answers. And so I just kind of drifted away a little bit. I'd still go to church periodically. Uh, I guess the best metaphor would be God was in my back pocket. Not a very good uh, place to have God. It's supposed to be in your heart. But anyway, you know, I just really wasn't serving God, really wasn't believed in God, obviously, believed in Christ, obviously. But there was a, there was a major disconnect. So it wasn't until my 30s that I began to just seek a little bit more. And about the same time, uh, I began to find out some people were praying for me. And that really kind of took me by surprise. Almost, I was almost offended at first because I was like, well, what are you praying for me for? 
Well, what they were actually praying for me about was that I would have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which at the time I didn't understand. And as, you know, things would would have it, I eventually uh, was invited to a uh, non-Roman Catholic church. I kind of enjoyed the service. I enjoyed the uh, the teaching. I thought it was very good. I was getting answers to some of my questions, and so, make a long story short, there, I in my mid early thirties, I uh, became what the Bible said is saved, born again. I made that commitment to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that kind of put me on a fast track in a sense with God, because now the Bible became alive and His Word became true. It became evident. And I could see around me the evidence of God working all around me where before I couldn't see it. I didn't know it. I took things for granted. And now I was able to see God do that. And then along the way, I went, you know, through some Pentecostalism church there. I went to seminary. I uh, got involved in ministry. I was an associate pastor at a church uh, in Culver City, you know, along the way. Uh, and then, uh, again, I went to, uh, seminary. I did a church plant, a non-denominational church plant. I was recruited later on into Southern Baptist, and this is where I'm at now, Southern Baptist. And so, uh, quite a long journey theologically, going from a child Roman Catholic theology and to now as a, uh, holder of a master's and doctorate degree from seminary for theological seminary and serving the church in various capacities and as a councilman. But that journey, I wouldn't change for anything because I learned a lot of things along the way. Uh, good things that helped me, uh, bad things that I went through and was able to overcome with Christ's help. So that kind of a nutshell is kind of my my theological journey that's continuing today. I can't wait for what God has for me uh, tomorrow as well, because it's our, we're in this journey. Oh, very good. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to uh, ask you a couple of questions about what you just shared with us. Sure. So early on, you mentioned you were questioning. Yes. Right? And you grew up Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And this is not a knock on the Roman Catholic Church. It, mm-hmm. it happens a lot, unfortunately, yeah. where we question. So back then, you were questioning things. What was it that you were questioning? Were you questioning traditions? Were you questioning why? Or, you know, in retrospect, as a pastor now, when you think back on your younger self, do you have a better uh, assessment of what is it exactly that you were questioning? Uh, I'll take you back to my earliest recollection of being in church and asking a theological question or having a theological question go through my head or something theologically going through me. I remember very well, I must have been about five years old. We were in church. I was sitting next to my mom and I was listening to the priest and I had this desire in my heart that I wanted to be what he was, but I didn't want to be what he was. And that didn't make sense to me at the time. Now, of course, it does. What was going through me at a young time was I wanted, I had a hunger for theology, I had a hunger to preach the word of God, but the way it was being presented to me, I didn't have a hunger for that. And so later on, I made that that connection. And so part of my, my, my struggle was I would read things in the Bible and then I would see things being done in the church and I would say, it seems like there's a disconnect. And then when I would ask, I was always being told, well, it's a mystery or we don't know, or I was never really getting a solid answer. So that was kind of a disconnect for me. Hmm. That's interesting. I've known you for about 20 some years now, mm-hmm. married to your daughter. And uh, you never shared that story. 
So uh, it's interesting to finally get to know that. At the last month's podcast, Lázaro Gutierrez shared some stuff too that I've known him for 20 years and uh, never knew. So again, here we are again at the same position. So we should interview more people. I should interview everybody that I know. So I Seek and you them. will find me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. So you said you saw a priest and you wanted to be him, but not him. And it was because you wanted, you wanted to be a leader. You wanted to teach people about, you know, God and the Bible and all that. Yes. Yes. But obviously not in that method. Right. Right. Where the answer of it's a mystery mm-hmm. never satisfies, I don't think, anyone. It doesn't satisfy the believer, nor does it satisfy the unbeliever. Right. No. No. Okay, and then another thing you mentioned is, you know, you've gone through a lot of positions, so you uh, you were, you kind of skimmed through it. You said you were pastor and then councilman, and you yeah. kind of went, blah, you went the yada, yada, yada route. Mm-hmm. Well, no, let's expand on that a little bit. So okay. from, from the minute from the minute I met you as a pastor, you've always talked about community involvement. Right. All right, and what drives that passion? Seminary. Um, when I was in seminary, it was actually the last class on my master's degree program. It had to do, I don't remember the name of the class, but it had a lot to do with urban development. And it had a lot to do with reaching out in an urban context. And I remember sitting there, and at the time I had, uh, uh, was just involved in a very young church plant. I was getting ready to do a church plant, and uh, which, which means to start a church. Okay. And, uh, and all of a sudden it kind of hit me that churches should be involved in their community. You know, my I guess my, my vision of church had always been where there's a building and it represents God, and if people want God, they go to that building. But now this class kind of showed me church isn't doing things ministry-wise is going out of the building. It's engaging community. It's finding people where they work, where they play, where they relax, and engaging them. So out of that, I began to develop this mission uh, for the church that I was going to plant, and the church would be a church that would engage the community. My thought at the time was, well, it's going to help the church grow. I thought that was the idea. I had a little backwards. is that when you do the work of God, then the church grows. If you try and do something to make the church grow, it's not a work of God. And so I kind of had it a little backwards there. But the idea was that, you know, when you go out and engage community, you be a resource for the community. And so I just set about uh, doing that. Once I planted the church in La Mirada, I, I started reaching out to people in the community. I joined the Chamber of Commerce. That was the only place I knew to get involved. And people would say, why would a church join the Chamber of Commerce? And I said, well, there, there was people there to meet. There was people who were involved in the community. And out of that group, I was able to meet a lot of different people, like council members and stuff. And, and uh, I was able to join the Rotary Club. I met some people that were involved in the Rotary Club. And, and all these things began to click. And they were avenues that uh, I could use to uh, do outreach. And eventually, uh, I just kind of felt God was just advising me to get more involved in the community and to show people how to get involved in the community. And so I applied to be a commissioner. And to my surprise, I handed in my uh, my uh, my outline to be a commissioner, my application to be a, a commissioner right before a, uh, a city council meeting that I was going to actually be doing the invocation for. Uh, and within about an hour of handing it in, I was now uh, 
<laughs> I was not going to be on a commission. And so I served on a commission, community services commission, for about uh, four or five years. I became chairperson for that. And then out of that came that desire uh, to take it a step farther. I believe it was a God-given desire uh, to run for city council. And so that's how I got on city council. That was that was the path. But it all started from that theology class, from that class uh, about Irvin and engaging the community on the urban level and, and, and helping people do things. So that's where that kind of started, that journey started. And, and you brought a new twist to community involvement. And I say that because, I, you know, when you think about community involvement from a church perspective, you always think, you know, doing things like giving out food, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's all great. And, you know, and there's, I think, room for everybody, for every mm-hmm. aspect of community involvement. And mm-hmm. you brought a new twist to that, right? Because not everybody had thought about that, mm-hmm. about doing the community involvement from within. And mm-hmm. I think uh, in your journey, especially, uh, the way the doors were open, it's a lot of providence in there, which, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh, you know, when I was elected to city council, the first thing that I said, I just give praise and glory and honor to God because uh, I don't get here without God's help. You know, it was all God. And I knew I was going to be elected. I just had that peace in my mind. I knew it was going to happen. It wasn't It wasn't being confident on, on my part in myself. I just felt that this is what God wanted and believing that. And if God wants it, then it's going to happen. So I, I just knew from that. That's, that's also very humbling, you know, because uh, now there's a responsibility that comes with that. Well, you got to live up to what you're being called to do. You have to live up to what you're being called to do. And so now you're 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 representing God in a whole new arena and you know without God's help without the Holy Spirit's help how are you going to do that? You know, so it it, it makes you uh, it increases your prayer life to be sure. So th- this is a question I have uh, that might open the door for a whole other podcast to mm-hmm. talk about uh, straight away from the subject we're talking about today but being in the leadership position especially in public service uh, you know, a lot of a lot of men fall. Yes, and uh, and it's very difficult to stay grounded in uh, in in your faith, especially when you're you know there's temptation in public service, is there not? Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. And so, uh, what would you say? What would you attribute your ability to really not fall? And I've seen you, you know, firsthand, and it's easy to be tempted. And I say that for even me, I've done some community bombing with you, and it's it's very easy to get tempted. Sure. So, well, it for me it comes from the fact that believing in my heart that this is what God wants me to do. So, number one, I'm accountable to God for everything that I do. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do things perfectly. You know, I can mess up. And, and, and do things because I just didn't listen right, or I'm, I'm, it's, it's a learning curve. There's a, there's another thing. If I were to pursue it on a personal level for personal gain, for what I could get out of it, if I approach it that way, then I'll, I'll fall in what they call a New York minute, because then it's all about me. It's all about what I can get, what I can do. I look at it as an extension of ministry. I'm there to serve. I'm there to seek God. I'm there to find out how can I serve my community and how can I be a resource a godly resource how can uh, doors be opened uh, that weren't open before for example uh, once I first came on to to city council uh, the uh, the uh, supervisor Don Kanabi found out about it and I was I was invited to give invocation at, at his state of the county address 
you know, things like that hadn't been done before. He had a councilman who was introduced as a, as a pastor, giving an invocation, invoking the name of Jesus Christ in front of all these people. You know, and that's that's just a few things like that where God has opened up those those uh, doors for things like that to happen. But going back to your original question, it's just knowing I'm representing God and knowing that as a leader, people are looking at me. And once they're looking at me, you know that there there's a standard that you have to adhere to. It's morals and it's and it's and it's ethics. You know, one of the first things that that I prayed about when I was mulling over this this idea of running for city council is, can I do this being a man of God? Is this something that would take me away from being a man of God? Is it something that would take me away uh, from serving the Lord, or is it something that would draw me closer? And so I felt there was something that was going to draw me closer, something that God wanted. So that's been the checks and balances for me in that area, is is that I'm representing God, and that if I fall, if I mess up, the ramifications uh, for Christianity uh, in, in my circle are huge. Yeah, I, I, I very well put. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So okay. you talked about your public uh, life and... Uh, We can go on for hours. Mm. Such an interesting story. But let's have a little fun. Let's talk about you now individually. You are an only child. Yes. yes. And my daughter, your granddaughter, my daughter, your granddaughter. Yes. It's also an only child. Right. What advice would you have for her? It's funny that you said that because I don't know if I told you or not, but I think it was last week uh, she came up to me and she says, Papa, she says, she says, you are an only child, right? And I go, yeah. And then she says, How did you handle that? <laughs> But this is my granddaughter asking me, how did you handle that? You well, know? she's six or seven at the time. Yeah, yeah. How long ago was no, that? No, she's, she's eight years old. She's yeah. asking me this question. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of knowing where she, figure where, where she's coming from with this. <laughs> so, you know, I answer. One of the things, I'll, I'll just say this real quick about Adrian Diego. You know, they don't never treated Sophia as a little kid. They've always spoken to her as, as, as an adult. And that's why she... she uh, excels so well and her vocabulary is so good and so she's a thinker because of the way that you know she's been raised so anyway so you know so she asked me this question so i'm not going to give her a little kid's response i'm going to give her meat and potatoes and so i told her i said well you know yeah at times it was a little lonely it was times i says but you know i learned how to do things you know i i, I read books i did this you know i i did that you know I, i had friends i said but i said i learned to embrace it i learned to enjoy it because i i would see my friends that had a lot of brothers and sisters and stuff and it seemed like they were always fighting there was always squabbling and stuff and i was like i don't want any part of that <laughs> you know and so i just said you know i said yeah there's there's sometimes when you're you, you might get a little bit lonely i says but you always have friends that you can call I says, but uh, I said, I enjoyed it. I said, I, I wouldn't change it, you know. And she just kind of looked at me and kind of shook her head with an inf affirmative, like, she says, okay, I got it. She sees the benefit of it. Yeah, she says, I can run with that. Yeah. <laughs> she's, the, she's an analytical thinker, that's for sure. Yeah. And so you've been married for 50 years. 50, yes, going almost 51 in June. Right, a couple of months from now. Yes. And your wife, Mary DeRuse? Mary DeRuse. Share a little bit about your... Okay. Spouse and your family. Yep. Since, since we're talking about being an only child, she came from a household of uh, uh, five sisters and a brother, you know, and uh, uh, it was just chaos. I would go over to that house and it was just people running in, running out. You know, somebody was always yelling, somebody was always eating, somebody was always. Don't get me wrong, it, it was a loving family, but being an only child, it was chaos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But. Uh, uh, 
but Mary was the oldest, and uh, she had a she had a good head on her shoulders. She kind of uh, wanted to uh, succeed in life. She wanted to move ahead. She wasn't, you know. One of those people that, you know, it, it, I'm going to be successful no matter what. It was just, no, I think she had a healthy, like all of us should have. I want to be, I want to do better. And I can do better. I'm going to try and do better. And so I always liked that about her. She always had a, a strong work ethic. She always had a strong family ethic, which I also, which my mom had. My mom had that. She was always, always about family. She was always dragging me around to family functions, you know, and stuff. So I think I, I picked that up on on. Uh, for Mary as well. So on one hand, uh, I think it seemed like they were very opposite, but there are a lot of similarities there that I think we connected on. I think the core similarities, right, is about, you know, passion, whether yeah. it's for family or, you know, yeah. or betterment for self. And th obviously, both of you guys are believers. You share your yes. faith, and I think yes. that's a foundation as well. And uh, great. I, we, again, we can go on for a long time talking about Steve, but we do have a Bible study to get to. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to jump right that. So I, you guys have heard Pastor Steve's story, his background, his family and all that. And so you're going to see that perspective come into play in our Bible subject today. So for those of you that have attended our men's Bible study, uh, the theme for the year, or for the foreseeable future at least, is preparation, right? And during this time uh, of the coronavirus going on, uh, we've talked about preparing, you know, for trials, preparing for, for uh, the unexpected, preparing for further changes, you know, and all those things are talked about in the Bible at great length. Uh, today, I wanted to switch to something a little more positive, uh, preparing for a heavenly home. And the reason I came up with that subject is we're at home. We're going to be at home for a while. And uh, some of us are being uh, driven nuts. And you see all these funny things on the Internet about the funny things people do while they're at home. However, uh, I wanted to talk about that in the context of a Bible study because uh, sometimes comfort comes from a promise. Mm -hmm. And a heavenly home is a, is a promise that God made to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is not only a promise that He made for us, but how could I say it? Uh, it he, I mean, it was one of the first things He did. And I'm going to hope this Bible study helps illustrate that point. And so uh, let me actually jump right to that. Right. So in the Old Testament and Pastor Steve, you're going to obviously offer more knowledge, knowledge about this than me. Uh, in the Old Testament, he promised Israel a land, right? The promised land. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like to think that's a metaphor for the home in the New Testament. He prepares us. He prepares a place for us in his home. And I think there's a connection there. What would no, you say? No, absolutely. There's a there's a very strong bridge there. Yeah. And so the reason why I say it was one of the first things he did is I'm going to read out of Genesis uh, 15. So. Verses 17 and 18, it says, It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared, smoke, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So, uh, Shortly after creation, it's chapter 15 of Genesis. So the first few chapters of Genesis talk about the creation. And though we don't know how long that took, right. you know, we have theories and people, that's yeah. a whole other Bible study. But when you're reading the Bible, it's chapter 15. There's a promise right. made for us. Right. And so we, from creation, Adam and Eve, you know, all that stuff, we jump right to another promise, mm -hmm. which is a promised land, right? Yes. Any any thoughts on that verse? Um 
or that story is Abram becomes Abraham, as we all know. Yeah, yeah, Abram, yeah, he becomes Abraham, the father of faith, the father of nation of people, uh, and, but also the same people that we, as it talks about in Galatians, were grafted in to that same vine, that same people. So Abraham is also, uh, you know, the father of faith, the Jewish nation, but he's also, in a sense, the father of, of, of Christianity as well. That's probably another subject for another time. But as for promised land, you know, the Bible talks about, especially in the New Testament and in Hebrews, that the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. So the promised land in this land, it was a shadow of something to come. So obviously when you read it, if you read it from the context of, okay, God's showing us something. He made a covenant with these people, but it's a shadow of something to come. Well, what's to come? But when you keep reading, you find out they inherit the land. But then when you keep reading, you get to the end of the Old Testament, and then you get to the New Testament with Jesus, and then you get into the kingdom of God, and then you begin to realize, you know, the promised land is really eternity with father you know it is it is it is a kingdom of god it is a kingdom of heaven so here we have a, a shadow and a metaphor uh and i like to refer to it as a bridge it's easy to make that connection from 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 exodus to the promised land today you know there's types and shadows in the old testament and allusions to christ to the work of uh what god is doing and what i always like to tell people you know theology who is god and what is he doing and then how what am i doing in relation to what god is doing where am I in, in respect to all this. So yeah, this, this this story is one of my favorite stories because it has a strong, strong connection to Christ, strong connection to promised land, strong connection for the believer. I just think it's amazing that's one of the first things he promised shortly after everything else. And uh, to tag into what you, mm-hmm. you know, what you just said, mm-hmm. one of the things about the doing subject, you know, topical Bible studies, like mm-hmm. we are right now, mm-hmm. we're talking right. about our preparation for a heavenly home, is that we get to jump around a bit. Sure. You know, when you teach, you don't do that. You, you teach verse by verse. Mm-hmm. And even in your Bible studies, you go book by book. And so here we get to have to get to do something a little bit different. So we're going to be jumping yeah. around. Sure. That's so fine. we're going to jump right to Exodus. Another mention of the promise there in the Old Testament. So I'm going to do about two or three verses in the Old Testament and about another uh, couple more from the New Testament. And we're going to draw a line between, a connection line between them, okay? So this is Exodus 23. This is verses 20 to 24. Again, conquest of the land. So not only is it promised to us, but obviously we have to go conquer it, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, here, you know, in uh, Exodus 23, verse 20, Behold, I am going to send an angel before you and guard you along the way, to bring you into the place which I have prepared. And here we have the key word there, prepared, right? And not only that, but he's going to send an angel to guard us along the way. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through all these four verses before just stopping there and realizing the significance and how powerful that verse is. Uh, but I'll go real quick to verse 21. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. So he's prepared a place for us. There's an angel coming and we have to be on guard for that angel to come. Mm-hmm. How similar is that to the New Testament salvation? And, you know, when God calls us, we need to be ready to hear his voice. I mean, gosh, the, par- the parallels here are, are, are amazing. Mm-hmm. Do not be rebellious towards him. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. more. <laughs> For he will not pardon your transgressions since my name is in him. Uh, let me just finish reading the verses and uh, we can continue. But 20 and 21 already, man, they speak volumes to today and to the New Testament. Uh, verse 22, but if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. 
For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. It gets a little violent there towards the end, but just to show you what he's, you know, what God does with sin and with disobedience. Uh, you know, I, th- I think, again, Exodus, one of the early books of the, of the, of the Bible, is talking about a promise, a place that's being prepared. The promised land was, a, was prepared for us. Yes. So, uh, speak to well, that's, you know, a bit. God is a God of plan and design. And that was one of the things that really hit me when I was reading these passages in Exodus. And you get a little bit farther into Exodus where you get to the stories of the tabernacle and building the tabernacle, which was, which is the portable version of the temple. And then you see that God is so precise. You know, he says, build it this high and so many cubits of this and, and make it of brass and this color. And it's all this detail and you're reading it, you know, and you, you kind of want to fall asleep because it's kind of like, what is all this about? But, but my takeaway from all of that is that God is very precise in what he does. He just doesn't wing it. He just doesn't slap it together. You know, because when he told the people and, and he told Moses, he says, have them make it this way and then have them bring it to you and you make sure they made it the way I told you to tell them to make it. You know, it's like a double check on that. So when we're talking about promised land and God prepared a way for us and a place for us, he knows exactly what he's what he's doing. And, and, and he has this place set aside for us. And uh, we need to heed that and, and, and follow where God is taking us. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's telling them, he says, you know, you're going to have a messenger. You're going to have someone who's going to lead you, someone who's going to guide you. Don't rebel against this person, you know, because we always want to do it our way. And one of the things about the kingdom of God we need to realize and understand is it means kingship. He's a king. What do kings do? They don't ask for your advice. They rule and they decree. God rules and he decrees, and we are his subject. We are to follow. And not to follow as a bad king. He is a good king. So he always takes us to places that are for our benefit. As he says there, you know, if you follow and you do the right thing, he says, you know, I, I, will, I will protect you against your adversaries. You know, so why would we not want to follow someone who's going to protect us against our adversaries? He says right off from the beginning, he's going to protect us on this journey. And not only protect us, but I, I think he takes it a step further. It's like, your enemies are my enemies. Oh, yeah. So he takes, I mean, a per, when you talk about earlier in your personal story, you wanted a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any more personal than that. It's like, right. my enemies are your enemies. Right. Uh, speak real quick. On verse 20, talks about an angel. I will send an angel before you, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's sending an angel. And then in verse 21, right the next verse, it says, uh, my name is in him. Mm-hmm. So who is the angel? The angel, two things. Remember, Old Testament is a type and shadow. An angel, actually, as is translated from Hebrew, it means messenger. So I was send a messenger. You know, Moses was a messenger that led the people. Moses was the one that brought him out. You know, he, this is what God said. He's that type and shadow. He, you know, he brought the people out of bondage. What does Jesus do? He brings us out of bondage to our sins. Uh, what did Moses do? He led people, you know, people think he, he, his task was to take him to the promised land. His task, first of all, was to take him to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, so that God could put his word in their heart 
This is exactly what Jesus did. You know, Jesus came preaching and teaching, and he said, you know, you've heard it said, and and, and they marveled at Jesus' teaching. You know, Jesus, in a sense, was were taking as you know those people to that to that mountain of God and and putting his word, you know, in in them. And then, you know, he says, you have that place prepared for you. And then you know, eventually, once they left Mount Sinai, then they were to to go straight into the Promised Land. Because of their disobedience, they ended up wandering and not and not getting there. But you know, God's messenger, God always sends an angel, a messenger. It's His word. It's Moses. It's 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 John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He was that messenger, make way the ready for 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 uh, Christ preaching repentance. You know, so for me, that that angel in this, it's it's a metaphor for God. But it's also talking to them that, you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to follow Moses and Moses' teaching. Because Moses is the one who was going to the mountain. And he was coming back down with the teaching. And he says, you know, if you follow him, it's going to go good. But if you don't, it's going to go bad. Yeah, and he makes a point, makes a point, that point very clear when he says uh, that the angel will not pardon your transgression. Right. So, uh, very interesting. You know, I, I think that's the word of encouragement we have here for everybody is that, you know, God is preparing everything for us. And so while we are here at home, you know, with no live sports or nothing like that or anything like that, you know, prepare, you know, uh, prepare for, you know, and, and study the word to see, you know, why, what is he preparing the world for? Mm-hmm. You know, because this is not a United States phenomena that we're all stuck at home. This is worldwide almost. Absolutely. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's that, yeah, uh, suddenly and so quickly, everything has changed. But what I'm thinking about, what's going to be behind this? What is the world going to be like? What's the church's response? What should we, what, what is God doing? in all of this. And so, you know, I don't want to be outside looking and say, well, there goes a move of God. I want to be in the move of God. And and uh, I think all of us want to want to do that. We want to be prepared so that uh, we know what God is doing and we're we're ready to to uh, carry out God's will uh, in this world that's rapidly changing around us. Yeah, you know, uh, that's a good point. Good point. I'm going to jump right to the New Testament now. Uh, we're going to read out of Matthew 25, verse 34. So in this particular passage, he is uh, Jesus is preaching about judgment, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things he says about judgment, so he's talking about, you know, some, you know, he's talking about judgment, what happens after death and all that. And then he says, the king will say to those on his right, come, who you, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. So from the foundation of the world, I think is one of the keys. And I actually uh, underline uh, the words here, uh, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So like you mentioned earlier, uh, God is a God of design. God, God takes very meticulous steps to make sure that everything's done right. And now he's telling us here, you know, I mean, thousands of years later, I've prepared this, you know, this kingdom is being prepared from you from the foundation of the world. Right. Any thing you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, you know, the providence of God, you know, again, God God doesn't make it up as he goes. 
It's been set from the beginning of time as we know it. You know, God said, let there be light. You know, this was already prepared. This was already there. Uh, and we have to understand that. And so I think sometimes people wrestle with that idea uh, that, that, that God is that big, God is that great. But uh, once, once, once you really begin to wrap your mind, your heart, your spirit around the idea of who God is, he stands outside of creation. He's not limited by creation. So therefore, all things, you know, for him are truly possible. And so to set up the way for us from the foundations of the world, uh, you know, for God, that, that, that is absolutely nothing. But that shows how great God is. And that should be one of those markers and those signs that God has prepared that way from the very beginning uh, uh, for us. And the way he prepares us, right, is by sharing his story, right, re revealing his book, you know, place for us, you know, promised land, all this, I'm, you know, I'm sharing, you know, I'm opening this story for you because one day when you come spend eternity with me, you'll know that this was all done by design mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. took a long, you know, and it took time to prepare this for you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very powerful. And Jesus is saying this. Yes. And so, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and people didn't believe Jesus was God at the time. They questioned them. They called him a, a you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I just lost my train of thought. They called him a blasphemer. Right. Right. Yeah, and, right. and, uh, And so, you know, for him to say something so powerful and say, this is prepared for you from the beginning of the world, I think mm -hmm. it just speaks power. And so, uh, you know, th this promise that God made for us, he made for us from the very beginning. So, right. uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go jump right here to one more. There's a famous verse. I think, you know, there's a song about it, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Jesus, uh, now, for, in Matthew, he was talking about judgment. Here, he's actually uh, bringing his disciples some words of comfort. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to close with this verse, because it is Jesus, in fact, giving us comfort, right, to the disciples and in essence to us as we read mm -hmm. his word. Mm -hmm. There's uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Now, the famous verses is verse 3, but if you look at the context from what he said right before that and right after that, you realize that those words are there, but they're there in a the greater context of now, not only uh, judgment where it was in Matthew, but now here is also same thing, same concept, mm -hmm. but in the context of comforting us, right? So we'll start with John uh 14, verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For go, for I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there where you may be also. And you will know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? I guess six is also an even more famous verse than three is that Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. Mm -hmm. And so how comforting is that? Right. That it, he is the way he is the, you know, the truth. He is the life and he's the only way. And uh, he has a place for us again, prepared. And uh, in, in the context of comfort, I think that's what I wanted to close with this verse is because we're all at home. We're all, you know, being driven nuts, you know, not, you know, we're, we think when is this going to end? It was supposed to end mid-April. Mid it's going all the way through the end of, end of April. It might go on longer. And so the comforting words here is that Jesus knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And this is done for a reason. And so he's preparing a place for it. And just think, you know, instead of the house that you have right now, think about the place he's going to prepare for you in our afterlife. Mm -hmm. Much, much better mm -hmm. than being here, I suppose. 
Yeah. For me, the the key to comfort is knowing. You see, if you know this, uh, then you can have comfort. If you don't know this, you have no comfort. And so that's why it's so important to preach the gospel in Bible studies, bring people to, to, to Christ to help them uh, know God's word. Because, you know, the Bible says, you know, the, you know, the word of God will set you free. It only sets you free if you know it. If it's just sitting there with dust on it, you don't know it. It doesn't set you free. It sets you free when you know it. And so this knowing, you know, of who God is and God has prepared a place and that he's the way, he's the truth. No lie. There's no deception in Christ. There's no trap door. There's no trick door in Christ. You know, he showed us right from the beginning, from let there be light to the last word in, in, in Revelation. God shows us who he is, what he's doing, and what we're to do along the way. And the outcome of, for us is nothing but positive. It's nothing but good. It's nothing but comfort for the believer. And so, yeah, I mean, end with comfort, because God is a God of comfort, but the comfort comes from knowing who He is and acknowledging that in in, in resting, which they call resting in Christ, resting in God, resting in who He is, resting in His ability, not my ability, or the government's ability, or whoever. I'm resting in Christ's ability. And, you know, and to Talk, continue to talk about that. You know, one of the things I noticed in this in this particular set of verses one through six is that it wasn't Thomas's first time doubting God, no, or questioning Jesus, no, right? And here he's asking, you know, how, how do we how do we know where you're going? How do we know the way? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, he didn't believe, right? Yeah, it tells so, me it tells me he missed a few Bible studies. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, well, you talked about earlier, and the reason why I bring that up is because you just mentioned a few minutes ago as you were talking that you know comfort comes from knowing the word, and mm-hmm. the only way you know the word is to read the word, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know Thomas, I guess, exemplifies those that don't read the word. Yeah. That, you know, and if you're at home, you know, wondering why this is happening to mm-hmm. to us and to me and to the world, you know. Uh, Know that, you know, if you trust in God, if you're in the Word, you'll know the answer as to why. And this, you know, it will make your days at home a whole lot easier. Right. Having comfort that, you know, there, there's a reason, there's a purpose for all this. One day it will be revealed to us. We don't know when that will be. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I think it will bring us comfort. You know, I was, uh, I don't know if you kept up with the uh, with, uh, things that are going on around the world, but there's a lot of sporting events that are being canceled, postponed sure. and all that. Sure. And, you know, it was, you know, I, I watched certain things on TV and, and I see people that, you know, I don't want to go into too much specifics, but it was supposed to be their time to shine, right? Sure. They, you know, sure. they were having the best season of sure. their careers. They were in first place. Mm-hmm. And not just in the professional level, but on, even on the amateur level and even, you know, children level. Mm-hmm. They were, I'm sure there were kids, soccer teams that, man, they were having their year. Yeah. And it's all coming to a screeching halt now. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, you might be probably asking yourself, why is all this happening? How do we know where we're going? Why is this happening, right? I, mm. I think it brings a little bit of Thomas into all of us. It's like they were mm. put in a good position. They thought there was this time to shine, and man, everything just came to a screeching halt for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, one uh, of you know, if you're in those shoes, if that's been you, if something like that has happened to you. Even for me, my my business, my I was coming. The first three months were pretty pretty darn good. Well, first two and a half months before this whole mess happened, and so I'm in the same boat. But I, I read the word, and I and I realized that. You know, not only it might be it might have been going good up until this point, but I just know that when when my time comes to be with Christ and in heaven, that place that he has prepared for me is going to be much, much better than anything that I'm going through here. And mm-hmm. so that is, in fact, my comfort, my hope. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I hope it is your hope if you're listening out there that there, you know, the how good you were supposed to have it now 
It's not gonna. It's gonna be pale in comparison to how good you're gonna have it when you're in one of the places that God has prepared for you. Mm. Closing thoughts on that. Amen. I mean, there's no better place than to be with God. There's no greater comfort. There's no greater peace. You know, Jesus said, I leave you with peace because as we know and we believe. And it's that peace that, you know, I don't know how he's going to work it out. I don't know how it's it's, it's, it's going to happen, but I know it's going to all turn out for good as long as I'm following God, you know, and he's my guiding light. And uh, I confess that and I believe that. And so that's how the believer has has peace in these trying times. Yes, it's in fact a very trying time. And that's why we did another podcast in between. I think we'll be doing them mm. every two weeks until this thing starts to slow down a bit. Because, you know, I, I've friends have told me they're, they're running out of movies to watch. So, you know yeah. what? Listen to us instead. We're, I think go. we're a lot more fun. There you go. So, um, <laughs> there you hopefully go. you guys share. You know, if you if you find this, this link through Facebook or, or any social media, please share, like, do whatever you can to get this out to as many people as possible. I, I, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that us sharing our experiences, Pastor Steve mm-hmm. sharing his experiences he just did, really does bring uh, comfort and hope to the rest of us that, yeah. you know, we're all in the same boat. We all mm-hmm. have similar stories. And we all have, if you're a believer, we all have the same faith and the same mm-hmm. God. And if you're not a believer, man, it's time to repent. Mm-hmm. It's time to repent. Look at your, you know, look at your life. You know, you're at home by yourself or with family. You know, reflect. You know, reflect on, on those sins and what, you know, what God has called, you know, sins and uh time to to turn away from those sins reflect and uh you know dedicate your life to god and serve his purpose so that you could have a place mm-hmm. for you in heaven and not only for you but for your family if you're a man and you do this and you're not a believer you will lead your whole family to christ mm-hmm. i firmly believe that and uh, you know you know if your family doubts you in the beginning fight the good fight read the word because they will see the change in you and you will in fact and god will change that so a call to action uh, use your prayer time to thank God for what He has promised you. So I always say, hey, you pray in the beginning of the day. And, um, you know, at, at this point, I would imagine, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of people are praying for things to get better, things to get better, things sure. to fall over. Sure. How about switching gears a little bit and thanking God, despite these challenges, for the promise He has given us? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes we forget the big picture. We look at what's right in front of us, but we forget God has a big picture. So what is the big picture? We always have to remember the big picture, not just what came up yesterday, today, or what might be there tomorrow. What's God doing in the big picture? And what am I doing within God's big picture? You know, and and for those, and another call to action here, for those that are are believers or even those that know that are seeking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Give yourself an opportunity to give perspective to those that are lacking it. As I mentioned, a lot of people are, are you know, taking this personal. And the fact they're taking it so personal that they're disobeying the stay-at-home order. And they're going out when they shouldn't be because mm-hmm. it's all about them. Mm-hmm. And so use this time to, in a godly way, mm-hmm. give them some perspective. Yep. And say, there's, there's, you know, stay, stay home. Let's obey. Let's obey the, the local government and the government because they're not doing this to get rid of churches. They're doing this for public safety. Right. And there's a huge difference, right? Right. And the Bible calls us sometimes to rebel against the government, right. but not be, not for our safety. Right. They do that for other things, like right. they're trying to prevent you from sharing the word. Right. And uh, other countries, in fact, do prohibit you from sharing the word. Right. But if we're in the United States, we don't have that problem. Right. So we should take advantage of that and teach uh, and give people some perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that one? Was that a good one? Or should I? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. It's, it's also, it's, it's, you know, we can take this time to find out and look at what have we been doing and what do we need to do differently? 
you know, and, and how can we do that? You know, as men, we're called to a leadership role, not only in our homes, but in our community, in our church. What's the leadership role we should be taking, you know, and we should be helping people with their perspective, you know, and in and, and showing them. I mean, we have to use godly wisdom, and I think that's the key. The godly wisdom will get us uh, through this, not panic, not, uh, uh, you know, shopping, all this crazy stuff, but godly wisdom, you know, yeah. behind all of this. I'm going a little bit off script here because I just thought about it as you just said that. And one another call to action, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, roughly 10 million people in the nationwide have lost their jobs. And, uh, and that number is going to continue to rise. Right. Right. And we have to give these people perspective and we have to, you know, bring God into their lives. And, you know, their mood may not be so so good. They might be unwilling to receive it, but we have to push through, right? Yes. What would you say to those people that, you know, like, for example, in, in, uh, in my line of work, and in your line of work, you know, there's uh, there's been some changes, right? Right. But some of us get to keep the job, or at least get keep get to keep fighting for a few more days before we may eventually lose the job. And some of them have already uh, lost their jobs. I know right. some small, a lot of small business owners that have to lay off their employees. So mm-hmm. these employees are not going to be in a happy mood. I don't blame them. Right. But we need still need, still need to give them some words of encouragement. Let them know that you know, hey, this is this is the time to reflect. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes people get the best jobs or the best things ahead of them when they go through a downfall. Mm-hmm. And if that's you right now, uh, if you're going through that through that trough where you're going through some rough times, whether it be employment or anything else because of this whole thing going on. You know, uh, as Christian men, uh, for those of you out there that are Christian men, man, give some men words of encouragement, you know, help them lift up, you know, offer resources. You know, the city, Alamorada, has a lot of resources, correct? Right, absolutely. You can call, you can go to the website and uh, look at all those resources. But yes. not only the city. I think more importantly, the church, right? So our mm-hmm. church is in Artesia. Yes. And our services on Sundays at 10. Mm-hmm. And some of them are enjoying those services online being streamed. Right. And so when this whole thing over, what should they do instead of streaming? <laughs> should be uh, attending church. It should be coming to us and see us in person, right? It should, it should, be, it should be a call. Yeah, a loud yeah. call. Yeah. To get back in church and get involved in church. Sure. Yeah, you know, because out of all this, one of the things I've discovered, and, and I'm not going to take too long talking about this, is that by doing the live streams, we've mm-hmm. discovered that we're actually reaching a whole lot more people, correct? Uh, absolutely. We're not only people in, in Artesia, but the communities around us and even states around us. We're getting emails and things from people that are, that are hearing it. I don't care where they live. It's important that they hear the Word of God. And that's, that's what's most important about all of this. But... But yeah. <laughs> if you happen to be Maybe. in the vicinity yeah, and you absolutely. see us on live stream for the first time and you enjoyed our service, yes, uh, please come in person when this whole thing is done because it will finish one day. Yes, come to our church. Where's our church located, Steve? Uh, Pastor Steve, one eight four hundred Grayland Avenue in the city of Artesia, which that's on uh, uh, hundred right off one hundred eighty third between Pioneer and Norwalk, uh, very close to the Cerritos Mall. Right there. And what we hope to do once this is all ended is have a, a big celebration that you'll be hearing about. Uh, and that we can invite everybody and hope that, you know, if you haven't been to church in a while or never been to church, that you'd come and uh, give thanks to God for all of this. And we're able to get back to our, our lives and glorify God. We'll have a big celebration. But most importantly, it's an opportunity to get connected with a local 
church and get involved in your community and make a change, uh, a godly change, a right change uh, uh, in, in perspective. Just one last thing, one of the reasons, you know, being a councilman, people say, well, why would you want to get involved in politics? I don't get involved in politics. I get involved in service. And I think if all of our elected officials uh, had the mindset that they're there to serve, I think things would be a lot different in this country, especially if they're there because God has called them to be there. In God, they put God first, and then they're willing to serve the community and not themselves. I think it would change our country greatly. Amen to that. That's very uh, well said. Thank you so much, Pastor Steve. I I know you uh, talked a whole lot more than you anticipated when you started today. But we do appreciate you having here at the Men's Ministry. If you are listening to our podcast, we wanted to thank you. For listening to our podcast, uh, Pastor Steve, would you mind closing us out in a word of prayer? Sure. Amen. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, these men or anyone, Lord, that heard this word. Lord, that it be edifying, that it uh, be uplifting, that it be encouragement, Lord. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're there with each listener to help guide them uh, to what they've heard, Lord. And so, Father... uh, Give the listener peace, Lord, and comfort them, Lord, uh, and open their eyes to see, their ears to hear, and their heart to receive what it is you have for them, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for this ministry. May this ministry bear great fruit for the kingdom of God, Lord. May it continue to expand and uh, to reach uh, men across uh, uh, not only Artesia, but uh, for miles around, Lord, because men need to hear this word that's being spoken here. So, Father, we just thank you for all of it. Be glorified in all of it. And this we just give you thanks, praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you again for listening. And uh, hopefully you will continue to listen to us in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Signing off.